Oye, me trajiste un ramekin. Pasacita. That's for tea. Are we recording already, bro? We're recording. Yeah, I got shit I gotta do, man. Let's go. Let's get this going. All right, man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of Pan Con Podcast. Now, oh, we're going to take it live to the three sexiest gentlemen in South Florida that currently have a cigar in their mouth. Mike Beltran of Ariette, Nick Jimenez of The Pasta Machine. I mean, of Dade Magazine. I like The Pasta Machine. Nick Jimenez of The Pasta Machine. I like to Michael be of The Pasta Machine. Ortiz of Jojo T coming at you live. Oh, man. I feel like this was a terrible idea. That was super sexy. I feel like this was a terrible idea. This whole, like, tea time with Mike and Mike Pancom podcast mashup, I don't even know what to do with myself. Ladies and gentlemen, bound for disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Just to to bring people up to this, because some people may never, that might be some people's first experience. Yeah. With that's, your sexy that's, smooth well, voice. Well, that's just normally the way that I talk. It's so. true. <laughs> For the rest of the thing, you're going to be forcing a normal voice. That's right. But that's your default. It's very uh, awkward. This is, as you just heard, Bancom Podcast. We're here with Mike, the chef behind this thing. Mm. And also the other Mike, who is the man behind some tea. Yeah. And another podcast that this Mike used to be on. It's all I'm, very confusing. That, ladies and gentlemen. Con- I'm so fucked and confused right now. I don't even know. All I know <laughs> is that we had 22 listeners, and I wanted to add 22 listeners to our base here at Pancom Podcast, so we merged. So we merged for them. today. So we, we brought should... them today. So now, Pancom Podcast is probably up to a solid 44 listeners right now. I want to thank all 44 of you guys. And really, like, that's the mountaintop right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've made it. Welcome to success. Um, well, God so, damn it, Mike. Welcome back. Thank you, brother. Jeez. Hey, man. No, it's good to be back, man. It's been uh, an intense time. Yeah. Yeah, man, but it's it's really good to be back. Uh, I mean, how about this impeachment? <laughs> First Bro, of all, how about Kobe Bryant? Impeachment, Kobe Bryant, coronavirus. The world is on fire. Coño. There was an earthquake in downtown Miami. There was an earthquake in downtown Miami. Yes, I've, I heard that people in Brickell were crying. Of course, yeah, because things were shaking. Yeah, it's been a crazy week. No, people. I heard that the people in Brickell were crying because their Amazon Prime subscription didn't work. It had nothing to do with the that, earthquake. That makes more sense yeah. than the earth shaking. <laughs> that does. Apparently, it was an earthquake in Jamaica. In the in between Jamaica and Cuba, it was really? a seven point seven of magnitude right earthquake now. that shook all the way to downtown Miami and Brickell. Jeez. And there was uh, tsunami warnings for Cuba and Jamaica. Yep. This is epic. This is the end of times. I mean, a tsunami. Imagine if a tsunami hit. I don't want to imagine any of that. Let's move on. I know where this goes. This goes into a 30-minute breakdown. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a sexy tsunami talk coming at you live. (laughs) Why don't we start with you telling the people who this guy is? Because some people may be new to this. Well, everyone, say hello to Mike Ortiz, the owner and operator of JoJo Tea, the man who made... um, this specialty tea world in Miami happened, I say. I think that Mike is single-handedly responsible for making people like me care about tea. Word. Thank you, man. That should be a commercial. Hey, man. I, I should be your poster child. Well, I think we should do it. Yeah. I, I mean, just with that slogan. <laughs> making people like me care, care about, about tea. Ladies and gentlemen, this is another. Uh, no, man. Uh, yeah. So for, for those of you that don't know me, uh, I have a, I have, I'm a dork that's really into tea i started a tea company back in 2011 i was a wannabe asian mystic at the time uh studying yoga and meditation and uh that led me to a little buddhist temple that got me deep into tea then the next thing i knew i was like doing chinese tea ceremonies with these esoteric taiwanese oolongs and uh and i was frustrated that i couldn't find good tea so i started a little tea company 
and uh, and now it's a very exciting moment because I just won the first ever American Tea Masters Cup. First, I'm the first ever national champion of tea in America, which is which is weird. And uh, and that's uh, yeah, that's a little bit of, of who I am and what I'm up to, you know. Well, let's go back. Let's go back. Yeah, there's more. You've been into. So, what year did you open JoJo Tea? 2011. 2011. That was a really special year. That was when like Panther Coffee was getting started. Zach the Baker was getting started. Uh, uh, Pub Belly was opening. Uh, uh, you know, Eating House was 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 just about getting started. Uh, fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! <laughs> The, the, yeah, that Vietnamese soup, fuk. Viet- no, yeah. man, it's fuck yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, yeah, you know, fuk yeah was getting started. It was still, it was just a pop up. It was like really Miami's first kind of like uh, consequential food pop up. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was a really lucky uh, moment to get started with the uh, with the whole tea business. Well, you that know? was a, a big. Um, I mean, a lot of those names are like the backbone and the foundation of when. Things started to change Dude, for a younger generation. It was, in, you know? it's, yeah, man. There was, was a lot of the old school heads, which was, which they're amazing. But you know, do you remember Winwood in 2011? No, no, <laughs> I don't remember Winwood in 2011 at all. I will, let me put it to you like this. I'm just not like you know me. me I'm not it, a big Winwood guy. Let I don't me put go it to, to you like this. Lot, so bro, I don't even know what the fuck it looks like now. I went to Winwood a lot in 2011, and I don't remember Winwood in 2011. Bueno. Because that's but that's for different reasons. It, that's that's the kind of <laughs> that's because you know there's been extracurricular activities in your life that Dude, make you forget things. That's the kind of uh, the kind of vibe that Winwood had going on back then. It was amazing. It was it was such a like you know all these different artists, all these different uh, bars. You know, it was it was really cool, man. I don't know. It was a um, cool time. So, and then we we did a let's fast forward to the things that matter. Then we started a podcast a year ago. Well, but let's talk about let's talk about how that started because you see when Mike uh, when Mike decided he was going to start Ariette, <laughs> yeah. you know, I had heard about this uh, this guy that he was you know a kick ass chef from Be Cypress honest, Room. I conned my way onto that podcast. I heard that he was a a kick ass chef from Cypress Room, and then I come and meet this guy, and you know I, he's like a jerk, like a. Kind of like a badass Santa Claus. Nice, you know. That's good. Like a like so a Santa Claus with some scars. You yeah. Know? Okay. And with like and like and like a raspy voice, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, Merry Christmas. Just fuck you, then. All right. <laughs> you got my Merry Christmas. So, you know. Anyway. No, really, that podcast started because you wanted to do a podcast, and then you were like, "I want to interview you," and I said, "How about I just be your co-host?" And I was like. And you were like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to do a podcast like drinking tea with chefs and talking about it, you know. And uh, yeah, it, it was just so much fun, man. It was like so much fun to get a sense of, you know, what you thought about the industry and, and what I thought about the industry and to like, you know, kind of compare the different perspectives. Because like I have like one foot in the restaurant industry yeah. and one foot out. You know, I like I. I you I had to play a much safer game than I did. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I could be brutally honest. It yeah, matter. I don't care. But I also like I, I like I I don't I don't I like I've never worked in a kitchen. You know what I mean? That wasn't like a guest shift that I was doing to do like cook family meal. For, you know what I Which mean? Which is very nice. I've seen you do that. It's very nice. But still haven't cooked shit for me. But it's fine. That's not true. That's not true. I mean, huevo frito, huevo frito. Okay, all right. <laughs> and it was a damn good huevo frito, so don't come to me about uh, I, I didn't cook for you. I cooked for you, and I'll cook for you another time if oh, you want it. All right? Yeah, we got we to gotta schedule it. Yeah. Tea, I think tea time was a good way to talk industry, talk craftspeople, and then to educate people on tea. I mean, like, you know, you make people like me care about tea. is not 
easy. And we talked a lot about that because I didn't know anything about Tia until two years ago, three years ago, really. Yeah. Um, I think that it's like, you know, and, and like I applaud your kind of like, a, you know, this is not to just blow smoke up your ass, but like I think that especially if you're a chef that's like an owner and executive chef that's running the business, I think it's like very easy to kind of like uh, not want to show the vulnerability of curiosity. Like, like for example, like, you know, if you're the, you're the boss, right? And then if, if, if you if to, to come out and say, look, I don't know shit about tea. Kind of like uh, somebody who's insecure could see that as like, I can't say that. You know what I mean? Because Why? then, because it makes me look like there's something that I don't know in front of my staff and I need to be the know-it-all for my staff. How do you get better? Well, but I mean, that, the fact that you ask that and the fact that you want to get better is the difference between you and a lot of other chefs that I've met with that, you know, that, that are, they, that they, they sit me down and they want to talk, they want to teach me about tea. No. You know, I'm not going to teach like, you about tea, but I will tell you this, that I know as a, as a restaurant owner and as someone that owns, like, I feel like two great restaurants that not only do we want to execute great food and great service, we want to execute a great experience. Things that tie up an experience, both top to bottom are small details like tea, like coffee, you know, you know, an amuse, a minor D's, a palate cleanser, like things of that nature, cocktails, how the cocktail is presented. Yeah you know, verbiage and how we talk about ourselves. That's all experience-based. So, like, I could sit here and tell you, listen, Mike, I don't really like tea. But my guests may like tea. Yeah. So if my guest likes things, I want to like I them, too. A, yeah. I want to understand them. At least so a responsibility can, to provide. To, to, to like, better execute them for them. Yeah, to right. show to show that, that, like, that you value the guest. You know what I mean? I think that, like, uh, that's important. And especially, like, nowadays, man, it's like, dude, like, people aren't watching MTV you know, people are. What? People, I watch MTV every day with Carson Daly. Isn't he still on it? Yeah. You, you, he so, is? Okay. Then no. <laughs> no I'm, say. I'm saying that, like, you know, I feel like, you know, like, like we've talked about this before about how, like, how big food shows are on Netflix, how big food shows are on Amazon. You know, the the whole David Chang revolution, the Chef's Table. You know, the Chop to the Iron Chef. Like, you know, uh, food is a big thing, and you can't run your restaurant as though it were 1995. You know, right? Because what the guests are expecting something different. You know, right. they're expecting something that that they saw on Chopped. You know, right? So uh, it's interesting that we talk. Uh, we do talk often about like the food reality shows or whatever. And I was thinking about it the other day, like the the benefits of those things. Um, I think one, it, it educates people. You know, like the David Chang Revolution, like yeah. his shows. I do like John Favreau's show a lot too. I think that one's really good. I've never seen it. Chef, it's on Netflix. Isn't that a movie? It's the guy from the movie, but he oh. did a, he did a show. Wow. I think it's called the Chef Show. Okay. It's cool. It, um, but anyways, better educates people about like food and like what it takes to execute like great food. But I think it really opens up their minds. Yeah. To new things. Of course, of you course. Know, like just trying different stuff. I mean, the. The greatest of all time of that is Anthony Bourdain. Of course, the legend. You know, yeah. I mean, the guy who, who really started it all, like, when it came to opening people's minds. Because there was always food shows before mm-hmm. of, like, how do you do this recipe? But it, this is, like, broadening that. Like, talking about travel, talking about culture, talking about people, talking about yeah, all what, kinds of things. What food means to the people that are eating it. You know what I mean? I think that, like, you know, you could take a you could take a recipe for arroz con chicharro y ropa vieja. That sounds delicious, bro. Right? You see what I'm saying? That like, like that deliciousness has no, like, you know, no matter no matter what the recipe is, it'll never capture 
like what it meant to have arroz con chicharro y robavia every time that we've had it in the context that we've had it. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, like I can't think of arroz con chicharro y robavia without thinking of my cousins and my grandmother sure. and like and like Cuban music playing or like La Billy Ruina playing or like you know uh loud music and like uh yeah. you know and, and and like watching my family's drinking beers when i was like five and not you know what i mean it, it's hard um to be able to translate that to a restaurant setting i mean you know that an area that's like the goal for me every day like how do i translate this to get the guests to understand this is what i want sometimes i get the people that just say the music's too fucking loud the what the music's too fucking loud yeah, yeah you know it, it just it, they don't totally understand it which i totally get but you know when it comes to food There's food that's, like, supposed to be almost, like, reminiscent of something of your childhood, like, nostalgic. Yes. You know? And then there's food that's, like, conceptual. Yeah. That you're trying to maybe um, change or translate uh, a certain product into something else. You know? it. So, what I'm trying to get at is whenever, like, I, I always do a dish, and I've done it, like, five times and different every time, and I just call it Noche Buena. Yeah, cool, man. And... The reason why I just call it Noche Buena is because I'm trying to execute the flavors and the feeling that I remember from that day growing up. Of course. And it's not just like, you know, mojo pork with rice right. and beans and yuca. Right. Like that's like... Like um, the last one we did it for the dinner that we did with the surf club. And it was like, you know, porcelain, porchetta. And it was... Um, porcelain. Well, I don't know. Porcelain is baby pig. Milk food oh, is baby well, pig. Oh, I heard that. Heard so that. it's like... Porcelain porchetta was sous vide, and then it was like a plantain pave. So it's like layered plantain, kind of like the tan thing. And then it was smoked onions with, um, uh, it was actually your tea. Oh, yeah? Uh, mojo made with your tea. Oh, cool, man. In each one of the onions, and then just fresh avocado with like a f like flowers and a little lime dressing. Yeah. You know, like none of that is Noche Buena. Of course, of course. Well, you know, when if you were to close your eyes and eat it, I'm hoping that it somewhat reminds you. That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But then every time you do that, Noche Buena dish, you do it differently. I change it because I, I'm never happy with it. Yeah. So it never, it never execute, executes what I want it to of execute. Of course, of course. You know, so – and, like, on that one on the side, just because I'm a savage, I took the – I took uh, trotters and then I stuffed them with sausage and then I um, uh, wrapped them those and then I roasted them super hard. So and then I served them at the table, whether people ate them or not. I What just is trotters? The feet. Oh, pig's feet. oh shit! Wow. And then I just because I wanted it to smell like pork coming out of the cajina. Wow, man! It didn't even like some people ate it. I yeah. ate it. I thought it was delicious, but it was really more for like the the sense of yeah. smell uh -uh. that you get because the dish was very like you know, kind of like uh, nice, dainty. You know, like Noche Buena is not dainty. You get like a gigantic plate of rice and beans. You know, so. Of Yeah. Yeah, I think like uh it's it's like yeah, but like you know, it's similar with tea like the You know tea is like obviously fascinating. This morning I was at I did this morning I did the same Brendan Elementary career day and talked to uh fourth graders through eighth graders wow. about uh entrepreneurship. Incredible. That was Sir, may I have some more tea? Yeah, of course. Thank you. That was uh that was intense. But um but yeah, I think that like You know, there's this kind of tea, like right now we're drinking uh, Wu Yi, something called Cliff Tea. Oh, this is the part of the episode where you tell us, Mike, tell me what we're drinking. Ladies and gentlemen, this is another exciting tea. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is called, uh, what we're drinking right now is called a uh, Cliff Tea. And uh, 
like the cliff tea is the category. It's it's a category of oolong teas. And in order for a tea to be a cliff tea, it needs to come from Wu Yi Mountain in uh, in China. Um, and then it also needs to be like they're traditionally really heavily charcoal roasted. So you get a nice kind of rich charcoal flavor to them. I like it. Um, now, and this is this particular one is called Da Hong Pao, which means big red rope. And there's a bunch of different like legends about how it got that name of big red rope uh, that I don't think it's important to get into now. But, um, you know, like uh, it's it's fascinating how like the, the only way to learn about tea is by tasting tea and by drinking tea, you know. Sure. So, you know, I've been in tea since 2011 and I've been studying tea since like 2010, really, uh, like seriously, you know. And uh, I've tasted a lot of cliff teas over the years, you know. And it, part of the whole, like, uh, special thing about the tea is that every time that you taste a new cliff tea, you kind of understand the way that it, like, it informs the way that the last one tasted. It informs the way that the next one will taste. You start kind of building a vocabulary for each tea, you know? Mm-hmm. These teas usually taste like that. These teas usually taste like this. And then you'll taste some that are within that category, but that taste very different. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's just like, a, it, it gets to a point that, like, like, there's a category called Phoenix Mountain Oolong Teas. That Phoenix Mountain Oolong Teas have, like, they're considered the most showy. They're kind of, like, uh, really floral, really fruity. Some of them taste like, like, uh, like my favorite one that I've ever had. I can only describe it as, like, it tasted like watermelon Jolly Ranchers and carnations. It's, like, fucking crazy. That's interesting. Yeah. Watermelon, Jolly Rancher, and carnations. Yes. Uh amazing you know mm. like candy but like floral candy you know and um and it changed the way that i that every single phoenix mountain oolong tea that i ever tasted after that tasted as soon as i tasted that one you know because i saw what it could taste like so every time that i taste a new phoenix mountain oolong i'm listening in a different way because i see i know now what it can be you know and i think that that's kind of like a similar thing that goes on with a dish like that with a noche buena. Like, you know, you know the satisfaction that can come from a noche buena meal. Right. You know? And, uh, you know, as a chef, you're kind of like using these ingredients to create the, the kind of like a, how to say, I guess like the, the, the overall image of that, but with different details, you know? Sure. It's like a collage that you're using, you're using, you know, magazine cutouts to do a painting of Abraham Lincoln. You know, it'll never be as meaningful as Abraham Lincoln in person. Right. But uh, but it can still inspire beauty and inspire awe. And, like, I think that your quest to, uh, you know, like, I'll always be trying to give people that experience of, like, the freak out that I had the first time that I tasted that Phoenix Mountain Oolong. You know, for the rest of my life, I'm, I'm, that's like, and, and the first time that I ever tried an Oriental Beauty, the first time that I ever tried a well-aged raw pour, it's like, well, it's the things that uh, ignited love yeah. for this for you. So you want to be able to express that to other people, which I totally get. I mean, it's the same. It's the same mission, just a different vehicle, right? Right. Tea, food, restaurant, whatever it may be. Yeah. You know? So now, now, like now that like I've never done I like this last year we we talked about it, but now like I'm starting to compete in tea. Yeah. And that's like a whole different angle to it. You know what I mean? Uh, because like I've I've always like you know I, I like I like serving tea in a way that doesn't kind of like um, blow up the tea too much. 
I like for the tea, like how we're drinking it now, it just kind of like layers in between the conversation and it doesn't like, it's not like, okay, everybody shut up. We're going to drink tea now, you know? Yeah. It's just not like a, um, what's the word for it? It's not very serious, but still respecting the tea at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but then when you're going to present, it's like, there's nobody else to talk to. So like, how do you present the tea? Mm. You know what I mean? And how do you present that? How do you, you're a talker. Yeah. 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 But like that, that could be good or that could be bad. Yeah. Because if the next thing I know, I'm talking about a forgotten memory in Winwood, then I got myself in trouble. <laughs> you know? It's like, um, I don't know. I guess it's like, uh, you know, it makes it made me really kind of question uh, what, why, why do I do this? You know, because it's like, if this this is the first, so like. Um, I don't know if we've spoken about it on air about the Tea Masters Cup. It's this big international competition. 27 different countries compete. This is the first year that America competes, and I won the American Championship. Boom. Boom. It's fucking Mike crazy. Drop. But but now the, fucking, the world champion was supposed to be in March. The world championship was supposed to be in March. And now with coronavirus going on, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, you know? Oh, yeah. So, like, I'm kind of, like, just in limbo about it. But it's given me time to think about it, right? Because it's like... All right, if I'm the first American that's going as the American tea master, quote unquote, then it's like, okay, what is American tea culture? You know, and like at first it was uh, like that question was just a joke to me. It's like, what is American tea culture? Well, you know, I'll just like I'll wear a VIP pass to the Tyson Holyfield fight, and I'll say that that's American tea culture. You know, because America's a joke. But what well, I mean, that's intense. I shouldn't say America's a joke. Okay, but I back up anyway. <laughs> when it comes to tea culture, we'll edit that part out. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, America doesn't have a tea culture. You know, America, right. uh, China has 6,000 years, you know, America. Well, in comparison to. Right. It's got a very immature tea culture. Mm-hmm. Because 6,000 years of tea culture obviously trumps whatever. I think a good analogy would be to compare it to, say, Chinese cigar culture, which is yep. super new. Right. Right. And they like to think they have a cigar culture, and they don't. Well, <laughs> Here he comes, dropping knowledge about cigars. There he uh, is. Everyone, this is Nick Jimenez. Thank you so much. We have a disagreement your, at the table. To your opinion? No, there are people in China who I'm sure, in the same way there are people here who know their tea. Of course. But China as a whole, as a whole does not have a cigar culture. China is just now where the U.S. was in the 80s and 90s of yeah. The, of cigars as just a status symbol. Yeah. And it, with time, they'll get there. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that, but, like, there's there's both elements of it. There's cigars as a status symbol. But then there's also, you have to understand, like, the, the place of plant medicine in Chinese culture. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that take it as a plant medicine. And, like, tobacco specifically in China is, like... Oh, sure. I'm not saying they don't have a tobacco culture. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying yeah, yeah. cigars specifically. So, and I, so not, I think, not to turn it to cigars. I'm just saying for analogy's sake. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I think, like, uh, because, like... I mean, it's it's crazy how many cigarettes they smoke. You know, like uh, when I when I go to China, like I can't say yes to smoke one cigarette with a farmer or with or with a tea maker because if I do, then they'll insist that every time they smoke, I have to have one. And if I say no, they'll light the cigarette for me and give it to me. Yeah, you know. So it's like tobacco is a big part of uh, a big part of their culture, but I think that certainly like the you know the the real depth of cigar culture like. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I, I see what guys are smoking in Shanghai and in Hong Kong. Y es locura. Locura, locura, locura. It's all, like, it's all like limited edition Cohibas, 1995 Montecristo number twos. Like, I mean, everything is, like, crazy, beautiful, aged, like, uh, lanceros the size of my shin, you know? It's nuts. 
So, Sorry, I'm just ordering some fish here. Give me one second. We'll be back uh, after this fish order break. <laughs> My bad. You know what I wanted to ask you, man? Tell me. Ask me away. I ask wanna, away. I, I remember that a while ago, like on one episode of Tea Time with tea, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Tea Time. <laughs> Mike and Mike. You almost, one, you almost slipped and didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> on one episode of Tea Time, uh, we spoke with Justin Flitt about a ranch from which one can buy wild boar. Where? What is that? Um, I think it was called like the Broken Arrow. Yeah, Broken Arrow Ranch. Yeah. I mean, I haven't used them in a long time. When I was at Cypress, I bought antelope, boar, and quail from them. Dude, I really want to start. It's in Texas. I want to start buying more uh, wild boar. Why? Bro, because I'm a dork, dog. Oh, okay. That's no, good. Because honestly, like, I, I like the I like kind of gamey meat, you know, and uh, I feel like like I I, I the, my favorite meat to cook is pork, and like I have these really great uh, Chinese soups that I've learned how to make, you know, mm-hmm. like nice like spicy uh, Yunnan and Sichuan style uh, pork with like gochujang and sesame paste and like fermented black beans. And I want to see what that would be like with uh, with wild boar versus like you know just classic pork, I guess you'd call right. it. You know, and I'm always looking for better quality pork because I love pork, man. I eat so much pork, bro. Do you really? Yeah, I really do. You had our pork chop. Anyways, I'm gonna stop selling myself here. Let's talk about the real issues here. So when <laughs> so do you really have you had our pork chop anyway? Fuck pork. <laughs> Listen, so we were on this like hot streak with tea time with Mike and Mike, and we we're getting some like national recognition. We we're getting nods all over the place. People were putting us not really, but it's nice to say that. No, no, no yeah, uh, international, international, uh, worldwide. Gianni, I mean not Gianni Versace, the Armani guy. Right. He, he I remember one time he was he reached like, out every day. I listened to yeah, those two beautiful, sexy men, Mike and Mike, and, and then you left. Yeah. And then you left. Yeah. Tell me about how New York was. Uh, New York. New York is uh, a, a, a tornado uh, of, of, of energy and hustle, and uh, it was fucking crazy. Uh, I did a pop-up in Soho, and between uh, all of us, you know, it, was, it, was, uh, it had some challenges. I was going to jump into it and say it was a little bit of a shit show, but... Uh, you know, when I, like, you always learn when you do things like this, right? Yes. So, like, you know, I, I like the, it sounded almost like it was too good to be true, you know? It was like, all right, look, we're going to do a pop-up. Uh, we have an apartment for you to stay, you know, so you'll, you'll, you won't have to pay rent. In the pop-up, you'll be a part of our store, so you won't have to pay rent there either. We'll do a percentage of, uh, of sales, you know? I was like, okay, that sounds great, you know? Uh, and okay, so what kind of tea do we want to do? And I'm thinking we're gonna do like straight uh, oolongs and like uh, high end teas. And then they, they're like, "Well, you know, we really want to focus on matcha, matcha lattes." Matcha lattes. I'm like, "All right, all right, we'll and do now matcha lattes." Cha 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 latte by Mike Ortiz. <laughs> I was like, "All right, you know, I mean, like, you know, like because of the work that we've done with mixology, like I've played with making syrups and I've played with doing flavorings out of tea and herbs and stuff." So I figured, all right, like this will be a challenge, you know. I'll just make a whole line of matcha lattes, but then I also wanted to ser- I wanted to play with like a, a strawberry white tea clarified milk punch. I remember this conversation, but that's dairy, and apparently New York is like sh- vegan right now. <laughs> like New York City has decided to go vegan. It's crazy. Like you go into a coffee shop, and I'm like, yeah, let me get a latte with like leche de vaca, and everyone looks at you like, like. Like you're a savage. Leche de vaca, for everyone that's listening in Wyoming and Salina, Kansas, is cow's milk. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is brought to you by Leche de Vaca. <laughs> Milk of the Vaca. <laughs> <laughs> I read something today that it's like putting uh, ito on something in Spanish uh-huh. makes it small, right? So, like, um, you know, uh, somebody named Alberto, you call his son Albertico. And it's like smaller Alberto. Small Albert. So, this hints at a giant mosquito, the legendary El Mosco. Oh. I see what you did. Imagine oh, it. All right, anyway. Oh, I see what happened here. Wow, we're going to have to edit a lot of this. Jeez. So what were we talking about? We are talking about New York, man. New York, your time in New York. And they so don't like milk. Your pop-up, they don't like milk, for fuck's sake. So uh, so long story short, New York City's vegan. Man, this uh, podcast is the same as they used to be. <laughs> fucking it. No, but like, God. dude, it, w- it was pretty dope, man. Like, I, I put together, uh, I, j- I just went to the Union Square Farmer's Market. Actually, this uh, chef, Alex Leonard, that he was the chef de cuisine at Estella for a long time. And now he's with... Uh, God, Estella's good. Oh, my God. Fuck, that place is amazing. Yeah, I think they just won a Michelin star. And they deserve it. Mm-hmm. For f- oh, man, so good. Sorry, go ahead. So, you know, I went with him uh, down to the, uh, to the Union Square Farmer's Market. Mm-hmm. And we spent some time just kind of going through there and looking at what was fresh and seasonal. I saw they had some, like, beautiful, like, the strawberries had just come out, you mm-hmm. know? And a bunch of rhubarb had just come out. And I thought it would be interesting to do a strawberry rhubarb matcha latte. Mm-hmm. And then they also had this mushroom dealer that had, like, like not, you know, like, a, a like dealer, a legit. Dealer, I got it, you know? I got it. Uh, that this guy had, like, lion's mane mushroom and oyster mushroom and all these different mushrooms. So I decided to do uh, a strawberry rhubarb matcha latte. With, like, reduced strawberries and rhubarbs, a little bit of sugar, a little bit of honey. And, like, the honey, listen to this. This is ridiculous. This is so, like, New York. Uh, there's a guy there that he sets up beehives on the rooftops, but he'll set them up in different neighborhoods. And then he'll let the bees out, and the bees will go and they'll pollinate the flowers that are, like, on balconies and, like, on the sides of the street. And then they all go back up to the hive on the rooftop. So I had uh, Soho honey. Like, every oh, single, cool. the, the honey was only made from the flowers of Soho. And there was a little bit in every matcha latte. So there was like a strawberry rhubarb with some cardamom and fennel. Uh, and that was, uh, you know, one of the matcha lattes. And then the other one was like a lion's mane mushroom, turmeric, ginger, a uh, little bit of black pepper. Mm. And then all of the matcha lattes were on uh, macadamia nut milk, topped with oat milk foam, and uh, some lemon and lime zest. And that was r- really I'd like to delicious. try that. Yeah, I, I gotta make you one. You, we, we gotta figure out how to get some rhubarb, but we can get. Well, it's not time yet. We can get lion's mane mushroom. I'm sure. Yeah, I can get that. But rhubarb is. We got a little more yeah. time before that happens. Yeah, but it's, it was like I was proud of that man. That rhubarb has always been one of those ingredients that I love using. It's just like very finicky, and hard to find here. Here, yeah, you yeah. know. But you know what, dude? I'll tell you what. It was interesting. Is that like going to the farmers markets and looking for the rhubarb? I found some really nice rhubarb, but in Whole Foods. Oh yeah, my God, that my, rhubarb Milam's, is like Milam's actually when it's when there's rhubarb everywhere, they have it nice always. quality. Yeah, like crisp and thick, super nice. Yeah, man, because like if you the rhubarb that's just like you know a, a few days old is like all rubbery and yeah. weak. So now that you're back from New York, back from the Big Apple, what are the next plans for JoJo T and Mike Ortiz? See that I planned that question. I well, actually I wrote it was good, right? I've been practicing this shit ever since Kush was talking all that trash to me. What are the next steps for Mike Beltran? <laughs> I didn't ask you the fun question first. <laughs> the bus now. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. The tables have turned. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
dude uh, uh there's a lot of exciting shit going on man it's 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 like it's crazy honestly you know like the the t-masters cup thing like when i won the american championship i got featured in an international magazine called 80 degrees that's like really focused on tea thrill list wrote a big national article about tea and it like really featured a, a lot about me that's great and it was it's amazing that's you know? amazing now like you know we very been, deserved thank you bro yeah but we've been getting a lot of uh sipjojo.com by the way that's sipjojo.com shameless plug one go on <laughs> but but we've been getting a lot of like uh like inquiries from all over the u.s you know great. people coming in to oh you know i've got a coffee shop in dc great you know i'd love to try your product you i know? just went to dc DC is awesome, huh? I just went to the, there was JoJo. Was there JoJo tea there? I was everywhere I would go. I would just be like, "Where's your tea from? Who, where you get? Who's your tea dealer?" Yeah. Okay. Did you mention JoJo or no? Of course I did. Yeah, right. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you guys should pick up Tazo. That shit's fucking fire. <laughs> get out of here. Of course I mentioned JoJo. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, thank you, bro. Yeah, man. You you brought up that that write up. I forget whether they wrote about this specifically. But I think it'd be great to get that story about the the shock yep. of your of your methods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was a pretty good little anecdote. <laughs> so, like that, because the, the Tea Masters Cup, you like you have to bring your own tea and your own teaware, you know. So, like you have to brew your own tea in your own teapot, and then one hour before you go up, they unveil five different teas and one teapot. So you've got to pick based on that teapot and based on the tea you're serving, you've got to pick one of those five teas to brew for the judges as well. Okay. Now, I was brewing this Taiwanese high mountain oolong called Jade Mountain. Yeah. Yeah, you tried it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 comes from like 2,000 meters above sea level. The lady that makes it is over 80 years old. She's been making tea since she was seven years old. She's a third generation tea master. That's crazy. Her company's only run by the women in her family. She's a, she's a badass. She's a legend. Um, so, but this tea kind of has like a flavor profile of like gardenias carnations peaches and like a uh, cucumber you know these kind of flavor profile and it has like a really thick kind of oily uh mouthfeel you know because it grows at such a high elevation it grows so slow it gets a real thick finish to it so when i saw them unveil the five teas one of them looked like this tea that i know called ruby 18 mm, okay i remember you talking about it, ruby 18 so Ruby 18 is like a, is a, what they call in China a red tea, but we call here in America a black tea, okay? The Chinese red tea and American black tea is the same thing. But most of the black teas are, like, the processing involves roasting them at the end, and that caramelizes the sugar and gives it a kind of thicker, heavier mouthfeel. Mm -hmm. Ruby 18 is dehydrated instead of being roasted, right? But the leaves are still, like, rolled and bruised and oxidized first. So you get, like, the flavor profile of a tangy black tea towards, like, uh, raspberry and cinnamon and dark chocolate. But then the mouthfeel is more like peppermint, that it's, like, really cooling and refreshing on the breath, you know? So when I saw them unveil the tea, I was like, oh, that looks like Ruby 18. And Ruby 18, it was like, I'm serving a Taiwanese oolong. This is a Taiwanese red tea. The, the, that cooling mouthfeel and the tannin of the Ruby 18 would cut through the oil of the Jade Mountain in a really satisfying, kind of like undeniably shocking way. But I didn't know for sure if it was Ruby 18 and if it was Ruby 18, if it was a good one, you know? So, like, as soon as they unveiled all the teas, all the other competitors, they all take out scales and they all take out their scales and their stopwatches and their timers and their thermometers and their teapots and they're all doing these crazy experiments. <laughs> And I just walked up to the Ruby 18 and I grabbed a handful of it and I threw it in my mouth and just chewed it. 
And like when you do that, like it releases the oil of the tea. And as soon as I did that, I knew that it was like properly processed and that it would cut the oil of the Jade Mountain. So I was like, I looked at the judges and I was like, yeah, I'm going to use that one. And I walked away. <laughs> and then I noticed that all the competitors were looking at me like if I had just uh, sacrificed a child and walked away, like if I had done nothing, you know, they were like, what? the fuck was that you know <laughs> so it was a pretty uh, it was a pretty baller little move it was funny it was pretty baller. yeah it's, that's a mic drop in the tea world i like it just eat the tea spit it out i'm gonna take that one mm-hmm. just walk away well so so now we'll see when the world championship is you know this oh, so have, have you heard about back. this coronavirus yeah thing? i've heard about it dude it's nuts a lot of bad things happening this week there's like uh let's see i mean like it's i think there's already over 100 people have died They've like they have a bunch of cities on quarantine, you know, like you can't go in or out. Like uh, America said that, like for example, like Wuhan is the city where it all started, and like American citizens were given the option that they could cut, like America would fly them back, and America asked them all to come back. But then, like so a lot of those people have families that aren't American citizens, and America didn't offer that same thing to their families. So there's a lot of Amer- and so they didn't go. So there's a lot of American citizens now that are like stuck quarantined in Wuhan. Jeez. It's crazy, man. And the the really scary thing about it is like, you know, and this is like a kind of tricky political thing. And, you know, especially in like in this current climate, you know, where like I can take my cell phone and say, oh, uh, there's a uh, hundred thousand uh, raccoons escaped Miami Metro Zoo and they're on Flagler and 170 and 160th, you know, whatever. And it's like. You know, anybody who lives in that area knows that it's bullshit, but somebody who lives in Arizona is like, damn, they got 150,000 raccoons in Miami. What right. the hell's going on? So, like, right now, there's people that are releasing videos that they're like, look, I'm a nurse in China. The government is lying to you. There aren't 1,000 people infected in this city. There are 100,000 people infected in this city. Oh, wow. And there's, and there's no way to know what the truth is. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's wild. It's crazy, man. Well, in the world today that... You don't know what's true and what's false, especially with, like, social media. It's just every day. Like, you know, there's a lot of people that when the news about Kobe came out, they were just like, nah, it's not real. Even me. Well, I was at, like, I was at that event on Sunday, mm-hmm. and someone was like, Kobe Bryant died. I'm like, hang it out here. No oh, way. Man. And they were like, oh, yeah, TMZ. I'm like, I don't fuck with TMZ. Well, and then, like, the, the flip side of that was that after people had settled into the idea that he had been on the helicopter. Oh, then there was Rick Fox. Rick Fox. People yeah. saying that Rick Fox had been when he was not on the helicopter. He so then not. you had Rick Fox's whole family freaking out and really? the guys would play yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was just, that. that's like a, that's a very sad subject. It's, it, bro, you know, I mean, like, I think that, like, it's amazing because I think about, like, well, what, what you know, besides the obvious, besides the fact that, like, okay, he's 41 years old. If he would have lived a natural life, he would have died a lot later. Yeah, he's got a family, he's got four a family, kids, right? Of course, but, like, pe- people with families in their 40s die all the time. You know, I think that, like, he represented so much, you know? Like, like of course, like, yeah, there's, there's the crowd that understandably thinks, like, fuck that guy he was uh accused of rape and and he wasn't a, he wasn't cleared of it and they settled so there's a lot of people that you know for whom kobe Bryant represents like a lot of privilege based on stardom and athleticism and there's then and then there's a lot of people that kobe Bryant represents like the ultimate work ethic and like i don't think like i don't i don't i don't remember seeing kobe Bryant ever smile on the court no, definitely not. When he, he was, was young, such yeah. a killer, man. Like he was, he was so focused. Like it's like laser focus. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, uh, 
I think that that's like for me what makes it such a tragedy you know is that like he represented uh, a menta- your, uh, mentality a, a mentality of pushing yourself beyond the limit and, and of not and of never taking no for an answer and of and of competing at the top level and 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 not re- like refusing to settle for anything less you well know? he was one of the last like pro athletes that was really like you know we're not friends right when we're on the court I'd, I'd, you know. I'd be curious to know because I'm I've actually toyed with the idea of writing something about this because in the several days since his death, this is a thing that I haven't heard touched on very much, and I think maybe because people feel like it's difficult to do without sounding uh, insensitive or like you're diminishing his legacy. But I think, to me, and I probably you know, I'm curious to know whether you guys process it this way too because we're about the same age key to his legacy is the fact that he is sort of the number two behind Jordan. Yeah. And that's not to diminish his legacy, but I think what he represents, because unlike so many other people that you would put on those Mount Rushmore lists, he didn't really change the game. I think what he represented was nobody's ever been such an example of coming really far in chasing your hero. Well, Because he modeled everything yeah. about his game after one guy, and you can say that say, Iverson or LeBron James or whatever, idolized him. But this guy was built like him, looked like him, acted like him, studied him. Well, but you know what's what's interesting about that, from my opinion, is that, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, like we will always say, yeah, Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan. But it's it's inspiring that way, is my point, is that you really can do, like, it's not in vain to chase something that feels that impossible. Of course, but but my point is that for the kids that didn't grow up in the 90s but that grew up in 2000s, They they never saw Jordan play, and for them, Kobe was was Jordan. You know exactly. You know, right. it's like they, in a sense, they still got to see Jordan play, and they still got to see that like hyper finesse that that, that these guys were able to play with. I, I think what he represented for me was the last of that type of athlete, at least in the NBA. Someone that just like, you know, like that. Yeah, we could be friends in another part of the world, but right now, with this is war. Yeah, and he will do anything to beat you. I mean, that story that. He gave the entire Lakers team Kobe's, and then when they they, they played a terrible <laughs> game against like the Timberwolves, he took them all back and said yeah. they were all soft. <laughs> like, I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, like in in today's world that everyone gets a fucking like participation trophy. That's that type of thing yeah. is not accepted Did you, anymore. Uh, after this, uh, whatever game was on last night, I think it was maybe it was Miami Boston. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Dwayne Wade was telling a story about uh, when he and James were both in Miami and there had been like a number of plays in that game where uh, Kobe Bryant had missed shots where Wade had hit his wrist defending him on the shots. So he stays after the game in Miami to shoot and has one of his trainers slap his wrist on every shot. Wow. So Wade and James get called over like, look what this guy's doing. So the punchline here is that Wade and James stay, they get, they, get out of their suits, they get back into their workout gear, they start working out, because this guy's not going to work us in our own gym. So they go, they start working out, and, he's like, and he was still there when we left. We had places to go. <laughs> yeah. So he's still there after they stuck around to make a point, and I was like, yeah, no, this guy, you're not going to beat him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's the, it's the mentality that really sticks out to me. And, you know, there's several quotes that he had, you know, like, you know, lazy people, I just don't get them, and I'll never understand them, and I don't want to. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I I love that quote because I, yeah. I agree. You know, like I'm never going to understand them. I don't want to get them. I don't want any part of them. And, you know, if you're lazy, you're probably not going to be part of my team. 
So it's like, I don't know. It was a, like Sunday when I heard that, I was just kind of like really, yeah, he's 40 years old. You know, uh, LeBron had just passed him as number three on the scoring list. And then he just like, he dies. And, then, you know, his daughter too. I mean, she's 13 yeah. years old. It's just like the whole like culmination of everything. Like it's a tragedy. What more could he have done? Right. You know, like was there other good he could have done in the world? Yeah. I mean, now no one's going to know. And just like seeing the reaction of people, it just proves like it's thing about it, a lot of the, the dudes that are in the NBA now that are younger. Yeah. All stars or whatever. They grew up with Kobe as like they're the ones from the 2000s. Mm-hmm. You know that Kobe was like their thing. They yeah. got a kid that was born in 2000 now is fucking 20 years old. He's in the NBA. Wow. It's like all he knows is Kobe Bryant. Right. And LeBron for yeah. that matter. Yeah. So, I mean, these kids are losing, like, their idol. Like, the reason why they play basketball. Of course. To begin with. So, it's like, I don't know. I, I, uh, it's a, it's been a, a weird, like, week in that regard. Because I always thought of Kobe, and the same way you look at Michael Jordan. Like, these guys are, they're, like, immortal. At least in the sporting world. Like, these, they're, their legend will live forever. Yeah. But now we have lost the physical part of it. But I, I, you know what's interesting is that, like, I'm surprised that, I, like, yeah, how much it affected me. Because I never liked Kobe. You know what right. I mean? Like, I, I, I loved D-Wade, you know. Uh, but, like, Kobe, I was always like, yeah, look, he's an amazing basketball player. But whatever. Like, you know, I wouldn't have, like, gone out of my way. Like, you know, I'm like, uh, whatever. I'm not, like, big into Kobe. But dude, when he's he a West Coaster though, we're East Coasters. It's different. Yeah, but but as soon as he passed away, it's like, man, like immediately I was like, damn, that guy was the man, you know. But you guy. lost a part of something that you've known in your life for twenty years. Exactly. That's the big thing because no matter what, Kobe was a constant. Yeah. At in the kitchen on a daily basis, someone shoots garbage into the trash can and they make it and they say Kobe. Of course. Every day. <laughs> That's kind of like, cheating. You're supposed to yell it as you're shooting. Whatever. You got to make sure it goes in first. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it, that's it's part of our uh, it's just been part of our life for twenty years. Well, we exactly. know this guy hits a fadeaway jumper forever. Yeah, and it's like I was. I mean, I wasn't like a Kobe fan, you know, but I respected the game, of course. And it's. I mean, it was just so it was weird. Like Kobe's gone. Nah, that can't be real. Exactly. It just because like be right. and, and there's also like so many basketball like like for example, if you hear like Michael Beasley died in a fucking helicopter crash. You'd yeah. be like, oh, It'd man, suck. damn, fuck. sucks. But it's like, Kobe, like, I, I think, I guess it's just because of, like, the way he played and his work ethic. It's like, that's that's the kind of person that we would have liked to believe was early invincible, you know? I mean, I want to, like, I want to have that work ethic. Yeah. You know, like, when I look at Kobe and I look at my own, like, work ethic, I'm like, that's that's who I want to be like, you know? And, and that's why I think, to, to me, he's so much more, like, practical of an aspirational figure. Because you always knew what bar he was shooting at, and you could measure how close he came. Whereas yeah. a guy like Shaquille O'Neal, there had never been a Shaquille O'Neal. So you know he's right. great. Maybe you want to be him, but you don't know how close he came to a goal. Because yeah. there never was that solid, like, I'm chasing this dude who looks right. and acts like me. It, yeah. it really goes to show like how far his legacy impacted people. The reaction from you know the NBA, the country, mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. By him passing away. Yeah. It you was know, huge in China. Huge. You like, know? Gi- like gigantic. Yeah. You know, like, it just, it really was very sad. And obviously the, his daughter passing too. Yeah, it's a tragedy. Man. And then the nine other people, right? It's nine or seven other it's people? seven I mean, other total. Yeah. Nine total. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's fucking tragic. Yeah. You know? So, 
Anyways, it's been a weird week. We had a fucking earthquake. And, yeah. You know, Kobe's <laughs> gone, and it's just like, I don't know. I feel weird. Well, let's talk about the duck press. Well, let, actually, let, can I, I I just came back from L.A. Can I talk about that? Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, so I was in L.A. for four days. Um, I've had like a really hellacious month and a half of work. So this was like my first four days off in a month and a half. And uh, they were super needed. That's one. And, man, just the – I really enjoy – I think this was the most enjoyable trip I've had to L.A. Cause I, How many times have you been before? Uh, twice before. And I think this is the most time I spent in one spot of, uh, of L.A. Yeah, where, like, where were you? Spent a lot of time in Santa Monica. Yeah. And we, we actually stayed in Koreatown, in the Line Hotel, which was a very nice hotel. The Line? The Line. Okay. They had a coffee shop called The Alfred. Oh, I know Alfred. Yeah, which was cool. Yeah, it's really um, cool, right? Yeah, really cool. But, I mean, it was in the lobby, so I don't know if that's, like, what all their stores look like. My friend Jordan is their beverage director. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, tell them that they're crushing it. Yeah. Yeah, I really like, enjoyed you it. Know, you know what's interesting about Alfred, bro? Like, they started noticing that most of their clients were Japanese people. And they were going for, like, a Miami kind of vibe, you know, with which pinks and greens. You, you see it in, yeah. their, in their stuff. But the Japanese people come and they're like taking all these pictures and they're like, oh, we really love this place. We love the build out, you know. And they, so they ended up, now they have like, uh, I think like two Alfreds in Tokyo. Oh. And they kill it, dude. Really? They're crushing it. They're like doing really, really well with like, Well, you they know. put that one in Koreatown. Yeah. So, I mean, it was really good. Coffee was enjoyable. Experience was good. You know, all the pastries and stuff. It was all good. But... I ate at some really amazing places. I got to meet someone that I, I admire their work very much. Um, Who's that? Jeremy Fox, um, chef of Rustic Canyon mm-hmm. and Birdie G's. He um, wrote a book called On Vegetables a couple years ago. Inspired me to do the vegetable dinner that you went to. Um, and meeting him was an absolute pleasure. I mean, he was like such a nice guy. We sat right across from the kitchen you know, like, he was just, like, very nice. Yeah. I, I didn't expect that. Word. Yeah, so that was cool. The food was delicious. We went to Moza. I had a pizza that I think would, like, change my life forever. How so? It was incredible. It was just, like, the... I. So, we ordered two pizzas. Emily got the squash blossom, uh, burrata, and then I had, uh, like, buttered leeks with nduya and and egg Mm. and that one was good but the squash blossom one just like the dough and the crust and everything was just like it was like on a different level like i don't know why that was amazing and like that pizza i've been very fortunate to be business partners with justin yeah and then we hired nunzio as our cdc so i've tried a lot of delicious pizza yeah uh also franco at stanzione but i don't know there was just something different about this one it it really blew my mind. The fact that I paid 24 bucks for a personal pizza, like a little, you know, I didn't even care. didn't even matter to me. Yeah. 24 bucks for a personal pizza, if it's really good, doesn't sound... No, it wasn't. It, yeah. Like, I was okay. I'll, I'll buy another one. Yeah. I'm good. Um, we went to uh, Passajoli, which is Dave Biran's place. It's like a French brasserie, but like super high end. Yeah. They also do a duck press. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Did you do it or no? Um, no, no. I mean, Emily's vegetarian. I'm not eating a whole uh, duck to the face. So, um, <laughs> so I mean, that was cool to see how they how they how they do their whole um, the whole table side thing and how theirs differs from ours. Can we I went, t- uh, real quick? Uh, can I tell you that like what might have like what might have been the best part of the duck press mm-hmm. was the morning after 
taking all of the leftovers oh, yeah. and just throwing it in a frying pan and just mixing it all together, the tamal, the yuca, the sauce, the duck, just tossing it. Un bayou. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was like... That's an interesting thing to Some say. Some places call that a garbage plate. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've had some very good garbage plates. Bro, that's, that um, was really good, man. Where else? We went... Um, By the way, if you don't have any other things, you may want to save one as a thing. Um, I got some things. Yeah, I mean, we cool. haven't recorded in like uh, six weeks. People know, thought I that know. we were done. I know. People thought they counted us out. Anyways, we'll talk about that. <sighs> we're after. always going to bounce back. Yeah, we're always going to bounce back. Uh, we went to um, this place called Destroyer. You ever heard of Jordan Khan? Uh, he has a place called Vespertine. Oh, yes. He's okay. of Cuban descent also, Jordan Khan. What's his name? Jordan Khan? Jordan Khan. K-H-A-N? Yes. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, he is part Cuban as well, so yes. I'll claim him. Um, Destroyer's like his like super fast, casual, like very like lunch place. It was yeah. incredible. Really? So delicious. I loved it. Um, where else? I mean, we ate so much food. Yeah. Coffee shop called Dayglow. Okay. Really, really great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've heard of a, 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 well, I've actually been to a restaurant in LA that's like hilarious. It's called the Apple Pan. Oh, I wanted to oh, go there. The Apple good. Pan. Dude, it's so yeah. dope. Burger Beast was texting me the whole time, go to the Apple Pan. Go oh, Apple really? Pan. Okay, I mean, Pan. good company. Is, I, was like, I was like, I don't know if I have time. Bro. <laughs> Fuck. You, you know what the move is there? Cheeseburger, apple pie, coffee. That's it. I mean, that's the most iconic order I've ever heard in my life at a diner. That's the apple pie, the apple pan. That's move. the move for sure. And you know what I what I really loved about LA is that um, just like the people, you know, like they were. LA everyone gets a bad rap, huh? It does. I mean, the people were like very expressionary in the way that they dressed, the way that they act. They yeah. were just like very like, and nobody judged them, which I which I rather enjoyed. You know, people were not scared to be expressive of who they were. And I thought that was very cool, and everyone was very nice. Yeah. Um, so did you let your freak flag fly? Did you dress all funky? No, I mean, I, I went with, like, the reason why I say that is because I got my hair braided for the anniversary, yeah. right, which I do every year. And I heard you had a comment about that, so oh. I'd love to know more about it. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've been getting my hair braided since I was a kid. And uh, I went over there, and, like, in Miami, I got the side looks like, hey, yes, sir? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah didn't you? Like... <laughs> So I was uh, and over there I was just like I was like yeah it's fine you know so I thought that was pretty cool um, yeah you gotta you gotta like you gotta be on some shit to like get people to look twice in L A you no I, you another thing like, I found very cool was the amount of vintage stores a lot of vintage lot of stuff like I walked into a store just randomly it was called Round Two yeah and it was like uh, or second round something like that and it was all like. Secondhand um, Jordans. Oh wow! And I mean, you're talking about like 800 bucks for a pair of Jordans, thousand yeah. bucks for a pair of Jordans. I found this in me because I love T-shirts. Same thing with T-shirts, and they had this Shade. Uh, I love Shade. Yeah. Supreme, a Supreme Shade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like 250 bucks, and I'm like, oh, I thought about it. Emily was like, come on. <laughs> it's like, so this is a secondhand yeah. Shade shirt, 250. Two, no, it was 200, 200, 200. And I thought about it. You know that put some thought into it. You know how much the the album on vinyl, an original press of Big Willie Style by Will Smith, is worth like three hundred bucks? No. Yes. No. Yes. Big Willie Style. Yes. No offense, Will, but because so not a great song. So few of them were were made for good reason. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, I mean, come bro, on. Hey, you're gonna get, you, you're catching a lot of heat with Miami, bro. Yeah, you know, no, that's fine. Miami was on. You know that what hour. I found there though? A last stop before we went to the uh, airport was a record store. I try to go to a record store every city I go to. Was Two Live Crew, the one with you know the iconic cover with all of them in the UF jackets. Of course, yeah. I caught that thing. It was seven bucks on vinyl. Yeah, on vinyl. Nice. I was like, yeah, that's what's up. So, yeah, that was my LA trip. It was a much needed days off. Uh, some extra sleep and like really good food and just good all around good stuff. Good, man. Yeah. And I, I, what was really cool was we went to the restaurant in the hotel and uh, I was wearing my Ariette shirt and they knew of Ariette. No way. Yeah. Very nice. Who was that? Um, it was called Open Air. Okay. It was beautiful restaurant. It looked like a greenhouse. I mean, like as a restaurant owner, that's like. It's like dream shit. Like yeah. that's like super dope, you yeah. know. And I went. We went at nighttime. Cocktails were cool. Food was really good. It's nice, nice you, vibe. You know what restaurant has that kind of vibe is uh, Planta, and the beach. Yeah. Oh. Have you ever eaten there? Yeah. We leave it at that. I've enjoyed their food. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't like to feed money to that monster of like uh, in like just zero substance. Well, he's no longer even involved, I don't think. Yeah, maybe now. He's the one who started it. So I just don't like – if you're the one that's talking about how Houston's has no substance, giving your money to that fucking animal is totally different. Whoa. (laughs) Shots fired over here. I'm just saying, you know, like, uh, uh, let's – okay. All right. right. So, you know, so somebody somebody sends me a video, right, with Khaled and Dave Grubman, and they're talking about the Super Bowl. I didn't even really listen to the content. But, you know, they're on a yacht, and it's just like palm trees and bikinis and more fucking – you know, like more of the shit that everyone knows Miami for, but not really that uh, the only thing that we do. It's a major key, though. I don't, I don't give a like. Just you know, it, d- show me some fucking substance for once, man. You know, and I just, anyways. That's what we're here for, bro. That's what. Yeah, I know. Us and our forty-four listeners. That's what we're here for. But it, I'm it's just, not forty-four. Come on. Yeah, I'm just saying. You know, like in Salina, we have like ten or twelve now, Minim- maybe minimum. minimum. Yeah, the whole uh, red did I tell you that team. for Christmas I received a Salina, Kansas T-shirt? You did no tell way. me. I did. Yeah. I got two, and they actually for Christmas I got a shirt for you and I. And I still haven't seen it. Yeah, I know it's still my house. Meanwhile, Salina, Kansas came to Miami and brought you cookies. I know that was pretty amazing. Thank you. Those cookies were incredible. So. uh all right, so I know that you guys have an, an event here in the space that we're in, which, by the way, is the reason for some of the ambient noise. There's been some setup. Nah, it's cool. You guys get the real restaurant vibe. Exactly, Shit's like always happening it's like in this motherfucker. You're in the thick of this shit. So uh, we're going to do our recommendations. Are you ready with something? Uh, we can start with Mike. Actually, yeah. Yeah, let's start with yeah, you. Go recommend the way. Go ahead. All right. Uh, Mike doesn't know what to do with himself because he's like, it's only been an hour. I'm just getting warmed up. Yeah, go exactly, on. man. We haven't snorted tobacco. <laughs> no incense, no tobacco snorting. Come on. Uh, no, um, yeah, I recommend JoJo Tea. No, <laughs> so here's the deal. We're doing a pop-up for Super Bowl weekend at the Faina. Oh, nice. And we're going to be doing some really cool shit. Like, uh, you know, we're going to basically do a shop of just uh, our top shelf teas. And we're going to have something called the JoJo Tea Experience. That it's like uh, you'll be greeted with a bowl of tea in like a kind of informal tea ceremony. And then uh, if you come inside, we'll do like a, we'll do a more formal tea ceremony where we'll do the first three brews in silence, and then we'll open up into a conversation about the tea that we're having, and then we'll finish with a really nice cocktail. Then I'm going to do like a pineapple juice, uh, chai tea, clarified milk punch that I'm really excited about. And uh, so yeah, I recommend that. And then how, how does one sign up for that? Oh sure, sure, sure. So actually, the the tickets aren't for sale yet, but uh, if you go to sipjojo.com. Um, you'll be able to book seatings at our tasting room, and we'll be putting stuff up on Instagram as well in the next couple of days. 
Uh, and then here's a question because we're talking Super Bowl weekend, which is this weekend coming yeah. up. Uh, if somebody who listens to this is in a position to make something like that happen at their own establishment, is that a thing that you're looking at continuing to do, or like how should they? Because that sounds like something that if I, you know, somebody had a, I don't know, a restaurant or a hotel or whatever, they might be like, oh, I want to. That sounds cool. Yeah, I mean, we're, like when it comes to pop ups like that, like uh, we we're, we're always like open to uh, opportunities, you know, like we, we've uh, been investing in some new teaware that can make us be able to do tea ceremonies for bigger groups. And like, you know, tea ceremony is kind of like more like a practice and meditation. But then we also can do tea tastings remotely and tea classes. You know, we've done a lot of corporate events uh, where like, you know, as like a team building event, we'll do a class on tea for a group of people uh, breaking down the differences between the different categories of tea and what time of the day would be the best time for a white tea versus a black tea versus an aged tea, etc. And uh, yeah, and just like uh, to help people understand what what's the difference between these different teas and why I drink them in the first place, you know? Cool. Yeah. Mike, you got things? I, I feel like I exhausted all of my things. Just one thing. Just one thing. Recommend one. Oh boy. Recommend one thing. You know what? I've actually got I've got one that's like a really exciting recommendation that I've been excited about. Go on, recommend. This is a really exciting thing that I've been very excited about for some exciting time now. Uh, <laughs> this is a lot of excitement, dude. Uh, I'm excited. Have you ever heard of King Duck Barbecue? Uh, North Miami on Flagler and 107th, like 104th. Mm-mm, no, brother. Like it's like legit Hong Kong barbecue, hmm. like crispy duck, crispy pork belly. Uh, nice, like, you know, those, like, honey-glazed barbecue ribs. Delicious. And, like, you can get, like, like when I go, I get a crispy duck and crispy pork belly in a bowl of uh, soup with mm. noodles and bok choy. Mm-hmm. It's, like, 12 bucks. It's delicious, man. Nice. I'm, like, and then you can ask for some of that, like, spicy chili oil, and you can add it in the soup, and, like, it makes everybody so happy for the rest of your life. I got one. Go for it. Society Barbecue. Oh, yeah. Richard Hales. Yeah. In the Citadel. Um... Very delicious. I've been there twice, and both times I thought that was like incredible. It's it's interesting to see uh, some of these like barbecue places kind of do its thing. You know, we did our Johnny's pop up for a while with yeah. Chef Phil, and then hometown opened, and the hometown is amazing. Uh, I've been there several times too, and then Richard doing his thing at Citadel. It's it's cool to see. So I feel like Miami's been starving for barbecue. For a long time, man. We've had, like, shorties. Yeah, you know, know, like, the way I look at shorties and shrivers and stuff is kind of like, um, it's not, I don't think it's a good representation of barbecue. I think it's still solid, you know, but it's it's because it's what we know. You know what I mean? Yeah, from what I understand, like, I've heard that they don't actually even barbecue their food. Yeah, it's pretty terrible, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, like, now we're getting, like, real barbecue. Right. Um, and, you know, there's always that place uh, in downtown, Sparky's Roadside. Mm. I haven't been there in a really long time, but when I went there before, it was really good. I don't even know if they're still open, but they were good back in the day. Mm. So those are my things. Cool. Um, yeah, that's right. what I got. So I'm going to do uh, – I'll transition this <laughs> from things to shameless plugs because my oh. thing is a shameless plug. All right. Uh, this podcast is uh, a podcast that lives on DadeMag.com. We have expanded the Dade family of podcasts. We've finally launched Step Into the Sandbox, which is hosted by David Berjano. Um, And that is a series of interviews with creatives about their creative process uh, and the 
worlds that they build for themselves to do their creative work. Mm. Uh, at the time that we're recording this, we have one episode live with Sin Lagos, who is a Miami-based photographer and designer. She's also a Google Pixel ambassador and uh, an Adobe creative resident. Wow. So yeah. it gets into how she got into street photography and how technology has changed that art form and all kinds of other stuff. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, uh, head over to Step Into the Sandbox and you'll get even more of that. Eventually, I think we'll have each of you uh, on there as guests because I think that uh, those questions about like your own creative processes, whether it's blending. Mami, es muy simple. Yo me pongo media y zapato. There it is. Y pa'lante, nada, pa'lante. <laughs> I think we're just going to cut that out and make that its own episode <laughs> of Step Into the Sandbox. So uh, so then I'll transition to our shameless plugs. Uh, you want to shamelessly plug yourself, all the JoJo things? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, JoJo Tea is a company I started in 2011. We sell tea to restaurants, coffee shops, and hotels. If you have a restaurant, coffee shop, or hotel, or some kind of food service outlet, like a shared office space, that you could use some tea, uh, please go to sipjojo.com. Are you also if, still doing the direct-to-consumer? If, if you're just a human being that likes tea and you want to buy tea to drink at home, you can go to sipjojo.com and you can order our, uh, some of our wonderful teas. And uh, we have a tea room down here in Miami. Um, and you can book a reservation at our tea room. We do tastings on Fridays and Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. And you can uh, book a tasting at sipjojo.com. And uh, please follow us on Instagram at sipjojo to stay uh, in touch with the brand and have a sense of what we're up to. Good stuff. Amazing. This has been amazing. Uh, so the things, Ariat Miami, Nave Miami, Chugs Diner, uh, Timeout underscore Lenya. Mm-hmm. Um, also scapegoat and taurus this weekend you know super bowl taurus is going to be quite the scene we have yep. lots of like food things happening and sports things happening all niners chargers of- who you got well the chargers aren't playing niners but what if well last time the niners and chargers played the niners won by like 40 niners chiefs niners I'm sorry chiefs. yeah I, I get confused with the Everyone everyone is going Niners. I I think that it's going to be a very good game. Uh, I would love to see Andy Reid win a Super Bowl and retire. Yeah. He's he's been an amazing coach for a very long time. Maybe he doesn't retire, but he definitely deserves a W for sure. Yeah. Um, Has he ever won a Super Bowl? No, never. He's been, I think this is his third time. He took Donovan McNabb to two. I think it was two or one. I don't remember. That that, that one... um, Eagles Super Bowl, that it was Terrell Owens and Tommy McNabb, and Terrell mm-hmm. Owens had like a fucked up ankle, still had 180 yards or whatever. Anyways, um, it's going to be a good game. Two really good quarterbacks, two of really good defense. It's going to be solid. So cool. I look forward to not watching the game because I'll be working, but uh, to whatever the outcome may be. Yeah. Uh, so before we do uh, all the Pancom podcast shameless plugging, congratulations also on that review that called oh. Nave maybe. The best restaurant in Coconut Grove. Yeah, it was an interesting maybe. review, but I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll take the maybe. I mean, if we're competing, I mean. if we're competing against ourselves, then uh, I that's fine. That's the way I took it. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, I reading the review. The review came out um, while I was. Oh no, I was still here, and I was fortunate enough to. I read the entire review to the staff, and um, they should be very proud of the amount of work that they put in for that. You know. I know Justin was very happy slash proud, you know, the entire kitchen team, Nunzio, et cetera. I mean, it's just been like, it's very deserved, you know. Um, 
But like I told them, it just means that we have to work harder because yep. now, you know, people expect things from us. And before we were just like the new kid on the block. And now people know that we're, we're a good restaurant. So yep. we need to just, you know, fucking bring it every day. So it was great um, to actually read a review. It was nice. Um, and, you know, the Herald, uh, thank them for putting that on the front page of the Tropical Life section. Good stuff. So, I was going to say, cool. like, you, you got that tropical life vibe to you. Thanks. Mm. I appreciate it. If there's a place in the Herald uh-huh. that should represent your majesty okay. and your and your Tell me more. ultraviolet transcendental sure. beauty. Ultraviolet. I think that tropical life yeah, yeah. can magnify that shit <laughs> so that the people could understand the magnificence. For they can, for they can know. For that the people can understand the magnificence of that duck press pop out and 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 uh, and the other foods that you that you guys f- give us to eat I and shit. I want to thank everyone for listening yeah. to Harvard. So <laughs> you've been listening <laughs> to Bancom Podcast. You can find us online at datemag.com slash Bancom Podcast. Yeah. If you want more nonsense that sounds like this, yeah. visit us at Tea Time with Mike right. and Mike. Well, this has been another exciting episode you of can. Tea Time with Mike and Mike. Find us on all the social media things at Pancom Podcast. And stay tuned because, as Mike mentioned earlier, people were counting us out. But we have more stuff coming, including oh. we're going to end on this mic Are we going to tell them what it is? We're going to tell I them what it is. I don't think we should tell them no, what no, it no, is. No, no, I want to tease it. Nah, I want to tease it. people don't believe us. They don't think that we got it. We got it. The next episode after this one will be with special guests. Maybe our most famous guest. By far. Really? Is that even like close? A lot of a, a lot of people like Chris Husby. Ladies and I gentlemen. Know, and a lot of people like Norman and stuff. But President Barack Obama. No, yeah. We will be, be joined next. by Hall of Fame, University of Miami, and Baltimore Ravens legend Ed no, Reed. Ed, yeah, Ed Reed. Ed, Ed Reed. Reed is going to be on the show. How, be a big how deal. it worked out was Ed called me. Oh. He said, hey, <laughs> yeah, hey, <laughs> hey, Mike, you got some time to talk and smoke a cigar. I said, I don't know. I got to check uh, my schedule. Then I forgot. You heard it here. He I'm just the sound back. guy. He called me back, and I said, "You know what? I can fit you in. I can fit you in." Yeah, he said, "That's that's like, how that thanks happened." Thanks so much. Not really. <laughs> I don't even know what to. I'm gonna just stay quiet and be like, uh, "Mr. Reed, <laughs> can we get you some sparks? Spark- still or sparkling? <laughs> we have a duck press available. Would you like one?" <laughs> Ed Reed said he wants a duck press. <laughs> so stay tuned. I know tuned. it's noon, but fire one up. <laughs> stay tuned. Ed Reed is on the way. All right. Thanks for joining but us. You were good too, Mike. Just you know, don't yeah, this was bad. pretty good. Nah, you were fine, bro. You're a good warm up for Ed Reed. I have something. I have like I, now I can be like, oh, I was on the show that Ed Reed was on, so I'm kind of, a, a, well, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, I'm not Ray Lewis, but I'm, I'm something. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. I'm more like Tony Saragusa, <laughs> <laughs> Tim Ruddy. <laughs> Boop 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 bo